Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome back to Digital Voices, another exciting podcast. You know, obviously, I am going to speak highly about my own podcast, of course because I enjoy doing them, but it's, it's so much fun because we get to have great guests like today. We have Dr. Kavita Mishra, and she's an amazing uh, individual, and you'll understand that as we get into the podcast. And we're going to tackle, you know, as part of Digital Voices, we've tackled this topic before where we've focused a lot on patient experience. And one time we had an episode where we had a couple of guests who were transgender and talking about patient experience from the transgender point of view, because unfortunately it's different. It's not the same yet. And so we're really going to tackle that topic and get into some, some specifics. But first, DJ Sydney, you know, like I said, we've tackled this topic before. Do you have transgender friends? And what do you, what would you think about how their patient experience might be different? Do you think it would be different or not different or? personally couldn't imagine it but i would assume that it's a very mentally and physically strenuous process so i think in regards to their patient experience they need a really good doctor who isn't only like an expert but also has really good bedside manner yeah so i think we heard a little bit about that and we'll get some more uh, details today and i think audience already knows is that my niece, one of my nieces, I have many nieces and nephews, and they're all awesome, uh, has been our guest before. And uh, Amelia has shared with us some of the challenges that she has had had to deal with as she transitioned from male to female. So we're going to talk about a little bit of that also from the from the medical perspective. So again, I want to introduce uh, uh, Kavita to everyone. And she and I crossed paths briefly at the Cleveland Clinic where she did some uh, training. She now leads uh, this sort of uh, specialty, and we'll let Kavita you talk about a little bit uh, at Stanford. And so, welcome to today's program. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I love being able to talk about my work and what we're doing for patients. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me. So, the first two questions we always ask. The the very first one is your favorite type of music. So if we were to be riding in your car with you and you turn on the music, what would we be hearing? Yeah, uh, I think it would depend on what kind of mood I'm in, but either the Red Hot Chili Peppers, definitely a Chili Peppers fan, or Beyonce, because, you know, <laughs> who doesn't love Beyonce? So one of those two, probably. Yeah, those are great, great choices. I, 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 can, uh, I can relate to those, too. So what about your life mission or mantra? Like what, what's your big driver in your life? Ooh, I, um, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny, like at, at my age, I still feel like I don't totally know what my life mantra or mission is, but I've seen some themes. Um, and so I, you know, I'm uh, very much a person of fighting for the underdog. And so recognizing uh, other people's perspectives um, and experiences and how I can help that 
Um, and then just educating myself. I think I keep following the breadcrumbs of education um, for a reason. So um, self-learning is a, a big part of who I am. That's great. So I alluded a little bit to who you are and what you do, but I, I really wanted to save all the details for you. Can you sort of share with us your story about your journey into medicine and just growing up and then how you decided on the particular specialty and what you're trying to do at Stanford? So I know that's a, a lot to unpack there, but uh, take your time. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, growing up, I was a, a little bit against the patriarchy. I think that's kind of how um, that was my uh, uh, mindset growing up. And I was a little bit of a rebellious teenager. Um, and I was always kind of pushing buttons. Um, and um, healthcare was always something that I really gravitated towards just for reproductive rights reasons. Um, I always kind of wanted to work in women's health. That's where things really, that's the direction I wanted to go in. Um, I did undergraduate at Brown on the East Coast, which was really far away from California where I grew up. And that was a, a way for me to kind of spread my wings um, and really explore other things. And I kind of toyed with journalism for a long time, which um, uh, was a, a nice short jaunt. Uh, but I came back to medicine, went to medical school, and that really solidified um, kind of my desire to talk about and help people with really taboo issues, things we don't talk about, things we, um, we were very uncomfortable talking about, actually. And I, that's actually the areas that I gravitated towards. And I love pelvic health and pelvic anatomy. So I don't I don't think it was that far of a stretch that I would end up in, in gynecology um, and really liking reconstructive pelvic surgery. Um, and with transgender health in particular, during medical school, I had more and more exposure to patients who were um, sexual and gender minor uh, minorities and seeing their experience, seeing how much someone need to, needed to fight for good care um, and feeling like I could be that voice, plus really liking the surgery. So it kind of um, melded well together. And so I've crafted my career to go in that direction for a very long time. Um, so I was a urogynecologist, which is a female pelvic medicine specialist for um, three or four years, and then had the opportunity to get more training in transgender surgery. Uh, and that's, that's where I am today. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And what sort of specialty? So is it a fellow now, like a transgender Fellow, is it at that level in terms of the amount of education and training? Yeah, so there's definitely more than enough material for an extra year in training, either on the surgical side or on the medical side. So if someone wanted to specialize in a primary care for, um, you know, in the LGBTQ plus community, they could do that. Um, but it's really on an informal basis right now. There may be like 10 surgical programs throughout the country and they're either housed in plastic surgery or urology or GYN. Um, and these are the places that are now training the next batch of surgeons to really provide excellent evidence-based care for a group of patients that unfortunately um, we have really ignored. Um, and so um, the fellowships um, are, are still more certificate programs, but they are formalized at each of these academic centers. So, you know, there's a curriculum, there are many um, attendings that are surgeons that we work with. 
Um, and I, I, I think this is the way forward, to be honest, um, in providing good care. Yeah. T- so tell us a little bit about the program that you're starting at Stanford. So you got all this great training, you've done all these surgeries, and now you're, you're, you're developing this program at Stanford. Yeah. Interestingly, Stanford had um, a transgender surgery program many, many years ago, um, and it uh, either lost support or lost the surgeons. I actually need to find out what the history was, but it basically um, has been nobody doing uh, a genital gender affirming surgery for transgender patients on a routine basis. Um, and that's the program I'll be starting. Um, so, you know, we have a website up, which is, isn't that the first step to feeling official um, and starting to see patients. And um, really, I, my goal is to provide comprehensive multidisciplinary care to patients getting surgery. I'm not interested in, you know, having people um, have surgery and then be forgotten. That's Definitely, um, I want to create a place where um, we are there to hold someone's hand for as long as they need us. No, that's super. And, you know, we know through not only our previous guests who shared with us their experience as patients and being transgender, but, you know, I think I've mentioned to you offline that I'm writing a book with Chris Ross, Mayo Clinic, on patient experience. And as we did focus groups in the transgender community, we realized that they were really marginalized uh, by and large. How do you think the healthcare community now is evolving to to provide or you know more focus or provide more holistic care for the transgender community? Yeah, there have been major changes. Um, I think with the younger generation, uh, I think things are actually easier now talking about pronoun, pronouns, sexual orientation, one's gender identity. Everything is much more understood as being fluid. Uh, and I think that's hugely helpful. Obviously, there are, you know, her, trainings that everybody goes through when they're employed, you know, uh, harassment, discrimination, all those things. And more and more uh, sexual and gender minorities are being a focus of those trainings. And I think that's an incredible step. But I do think it's up to the leaders in any organization to model um, how we take care of patients, how we are sensitive, how we how we address individuals. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of self-education that really needs to happen on the leadership side um, as we you know, focus on taking care of all patients. No, that's super. And I know that you're really passionate. You could hear in your voice, you know, on training the next generation of medical leaders. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and, you know, what you would really like to accomplish in, in that? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really fortunate. I've been at a lot of different academic centers and I've always been able to have a connection to medical students and residents and fellows. And, um, you know, at Stanford, we I, I'm uh, with my colleague, Erica Cahill, we're both uh, running the reproductive health block for the second year medical students. You know, it's the the people that actually come in with not as much knowledge as you would think and still having to demystify myths, talk about the taboo, um, you know, have very sensitive discussions with people who are not completely well-versed in doing that. And so that's been a lot of fun um, and really trying to move that forward. And then on the resident and fellow side, I do a lot of um, teaching, obviously, in clinic and in the operating room and and mentor uh, them through research projects. And that's you know, a big part of why I'm at an academic center too is is because there's this 
teaching focus and making sure we're doing the right thing, or if we don't have the evidence that we're using the right evidence that we have in the past to, to, um, you know, create more new protocols and test them. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, teaching the next batch of leaders, I mean, to be honest, I feel like I was so fortunate to have uh, a leader in uh, Dr. Cecile Ferrando, who, you know, took me in her program. Um, and, uh, you know, she's an incredible leader. And I, I use that as a, as a, um, someone to follow. Um, so it's been nice to have these great mentors in teaching because I can kind of copy their work a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the secret to good leadership, actually, is learning from others. Mm -hmm. And pouring back out what others pour in, into us and adding our experience with that. So, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the leadership and leading by example and, and getting the training. So what if I'm a clinician in a hospital or health system, you know, that's not one of the 10 and growing that sort of have an emphasis in this area? What are some things that I might do to get, get that education and, and really better understand you know, how to improve healthcare for the transgender community? Yeah, I think there are a few things that um, one can do. One is um, identify other colleagues at your institution that also have this interest. So you can learn from one another, cross-refer patients if you're starting to take care of patients, um, but, but really kind of um, self-educate within that group, but also reach out to other um, colleagues across the country. I mean, everybody is open to educating one another in this field that we really care about. And so I, I definitely recommend reaching out to other people who are in your field, maybe taking care of um, patients in your field who are um, sexual and gender minorities, and then um, you know, learning from them as to how you can be better informed. Um, I went to a lot of conferences early on as a trainee. Um, there's so many conferences that are out there with um, the uh, WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, and then USPATH, which is the US organization. I think those are great avenues to learn a lot in a short period of time. So those conferences are great. Um, and I, yeah, again, I would say, you know, finding the few that could be your initial team. Um, you don't really need to start with much, uh, but if you create a team that is really focused and dedicated to taking um, care of patients and providing services, you, you can grow from there in a short period of time, I would say, in a couple of years, because patients are really hungry for collaborative, multidisciplinary care. Um, that feels sensitive and welcoming. Yeah, Kavita, do you have any ideas off the top of your head for digital leaders? So as you know, the audience is primarily chief digital officers or people that report to them in a variety of organizations. And, and we've been very focused because obviously you're a physician. We've been very focused too on the provider side, but we also, you know, part of our community is is the health, all health and life sciences. So payer side and, and, and then, you know, your typical life sciences companies. But as a, so if I'm working as a digital officer, IT technology, any couple thoughts off the top of your head on things to be aware of and think about when you're serving the transgender community, you know, in terms of how we have our systems set up and things mm -hmm. like that? I think, um, you know, it's almost like you want a test patient to kind of go through your process. And so you have to imagine yourself as that test patient um, and, you know, have patients who are in your community 
tell you about what their experience is with the different systems. So, you know, we um, have these programs as well, where we have someone act as a test patient and go through our clinic and tell them what their experience, tell us what their experience is like, so we can work on all the different avenues which are problematic. Um, so I would definitely say the computer systems and the patient information systems are hugely impactful. Um, you know, has seen designations for legal name, preferred name, um, sex assigned at birth, um, preferred pronouns, these kind of things, actually, they're really easy to implement and put in. And they make it so that anyone who sees that chart is referring to the patient with their preferred name and preferred pronouns and, you know, not not really jumbling that experience for the patient. I think that that first step um, is crucial. Um, and, you know, having, having a welcoming environment um, as a, a digital lead, I think it's really training everybody around you. So making sure that you're getting that education um, in that perspective. Um, so if it was a digital group, I would say, you know, having someone come and, and talk about language and terms and why they're important and um, how it serves the overall mission of the organization. I think that's that would be crucial. Yeah, those are real practical things, thank you, that anyone can do. So for sure, there's people that you may know already that are transgender or certainly have access to uh, reaching out to that community. And I, I would do this for any community, really, that's, that might be considered a minority community and really bring them in to talk to your teams. And I love the idea, too, of testing. You know, right now, the rage is sort of digital front doors and, you know, portals of all sorts. And, you know, even looking at the design and the type of pictures that are typically used, you know, they're, they're not always welcoming. They're, they're usually, you know, the same look of a person and it, it needs to be much more diverse. And so sometimes we may not realize it because we're in the middle of it. You know, you can't see the forest for all the trees type of situation. But having someone, you know, come in and help you with that uh, is, is really, you know, critical. The, what about from a clinical uh, perspective, right? So the like an order set or or sort of a best practice where you have to think about this and, and engineer it, I think, in your clinical systems where an example might be like Accutane, right? So a, a female uh, is going to be pregnant, you know, should avoid uh, Accutane. Uh, but then you might have a transgender situation and you're trying to prescribe Accutane because the the individual might have been assigned at birth as a female. You know, the, you, I, I know you could think of more examples than that, but you know, it's important that within our our systems, in the order sets and things like that, that that we account for the differences of the types of patients we're going to see. Yeah, I think that's a great example. We run into this a lot. And then it's a reminder that we're there to treat the individual, um, you know, that person with their background, with their needs. And so order sets and, you know, binary answers, all of those don't really apply as much. And we get stuck, right? The systems sometimes trap us and we get stuck. And it's up to us to 
you know, call pharmacy, call IT, whatever it is to really push the boundaries of that so that it can be more inclusive. Um, I think this is all going to change in the next 10 years. I, I, in, I, I envision a system at every place that's a lot different uh, than what we have now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's my hope as well. I know we were, you know, as, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of working on this book with our publisher. And I think it was yesterday we decided not to have a separate chapter uh, for transgender patients because we believe that it should be the same experience in terms of they should have an opportunity for a great experience like any patient. So we did weave in some of the components, you know, that are different in all of the chapters as opposed to setting it aside as a separate chapter because we have to uh, normalize it. And it's just, you have to understand that not everyone is the same. And so we talk about in, in uh, you know, digital transformation and patient experience about the personalization. And so you, that has to be inclusive for everyone, not just a subset of the population. So I, I agree with you. I think we're gonna see uh, some change or a lot of good positive change. And it's people like you, frankly, and, and clinicians who are sort of leading the way and helping the medical establishment understand these things and hopefully working together closely with your, your chief digital officer there at Stanford and other places, you know, to really bring about the needed change that, that uh, is really called for. Yeah, I mean, I feel uh, very lucky at the institutions that I've been at um, so far, uh, but I can imagine that it's a real challenge in other places. And those are the people I, you know, I'm very welcome. I welcome questions and, and, and things from, from the people who don't feel like their institutions are as supportive. You know, how do you get through um, in those locations? What, what, how, how, you know, it's the, how do you do something first and maybe ask for forgiveness later, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I've made a career out of, out of doing that. I've got a few scars, but it's the, it's the right thing. So, you know, we, we covered a lot of ground, you know, we talked about you know, the establishment of these programs. We talked about patient experience. We talked about leadership, all these obviously are around the transgender community, ensuring healthcare for everyone. And there's probably something I missed or maybe something you want to double down on. So mm. if I missed something or we want to reinforce a particular message, you know, to our colleagues, well, what would that be? I, I think the thing that I can't underscore enough is the collaborative nature of things, um, because you really can't do anything in a silo. And I, I, I think both for your ability to make changes in an organization, but also to create a welcoming environment and advance, it, it's you end up communicating a lot with your colleagues across different, you know, parts of the campus. And I think that's that's been crucial um, to starting anything and making any sort of meaningful change. So. Um, I think that that would be the main thing to say. It's just don't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned throughout the program, there's definite resources that people can reach out to. There's a, that international community, there's a North American branch of that community and definitely reach out to yourself and, and, and others who are helping sort of lead this particular area. And yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking about this, that even in 19, I'm trying to think when my freshman year was, it was a long time ago. I'm sure none of you were born. It was, uh, 
three, I think, was my freshman year in college. And it was psych class. Um, no, it was it was a human sexuality class. So it's in psychology. So I have my my major, my undergrad in psychology. And we were talking about gender affirming surgeries back then. We we watched a gender affirming surgery uh, at the time. I think the leaders the leaders of doing of doing those surgeries was in Trinidad, Colorado. I don't know if that's yeah still the case. Yep, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you know we started that education back then, and it, it's really taken a long, long time, unfortunately, to make this more of a mainstream issue that needs to be addressed. And but I'm glad, and I'm very encouraged. But what I've heard from you in terms of where we are today and, and, you know, that acceleration. And, and so I think the future is really, really quite bright uh, so that everyone could have, you know, equitable healthcare. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I think medicine has made some big mistakes in its diversity and inclusivity and, and caring for all populations, but I'm, I'm hoping to be part of the generation that helps correct some of those. So, yeah. Well, I, I clearly, clearly you are, and uh, I, I appreciate you spending some time with us and educating us a bit. Uh, someday it'll be fun to to learn more about the the intricacies and, and the things that you do surgically. I, I've I've done some research on it. It's, it's, I find it very very fascinating, and uh, and I'm thankful for people like you who are out there and trying to do the right thing for old people. So, uh, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that wraps up Digital Voices. We appreciate you listening in. If you have any particular topics or guests that you would like to hear from, just let Sydney or I know, and we'll be happy to make it happen. Thank you, and have a great day. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.